Welcome, everyone, to our week 16 edition of Clissa's Mic Drop, the podcast that we started here in the 2019 season. Uh, hasn't necessarily been a good luck uh, podcast for the Broncos as they are 5-9 and nine going into their final two games. First up, the Detroit Lions. Tough one last week in Kansas City in the snow. Uh, thought the snow and the uh, inclement conditions would be an equalizer and help the Broncos out. Uh, maybe rain and mud would do that, but snow didn't as uh, kind of separated the gap between Patrick Mahomes and all his weapons with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill against the Broncos who just aren't quite as talented in the skill position area. The Broncos got basically Cortland Sutton and they need to uh, add on from there. Philip Lindsay, uh, still a nice running back. I think it would be better if Philip Lindsay was more a 1B type back than a 1A. Uh, we'll have to see if the Broncos make an adjustment there next year. But, uh, you know, kind of use him more as a, as a Darren Sproles uh, type guy. Maybe an Austin Eckler uh, would be an ideal role for uh, Philip Lindsay going forward after this year. I do think the Broncos, by the way, will uh, bring in another running back uh, with an intent of playing another running back. Of course, they'll need one with the departure of Devontae Booker to free agency after this season. Um, you know about the Kansas City game? Broncos lose 22-3. to It hit Von Miller hard. Kind of hit them all at once that this team, how far this team has fallen the last three, four years since that Super Bowl. Vaughn talked about it Thursday, how, uh, you know, the first five years he kind of got spoiled uh, with the uh, standard of excellence. The Broncos have uh, fallen quite a bit short. However, this year, and Vaughn uh, did it, say this, it does feel like they're trending upward for the first time in a, in a couple of years. And that's because of the young nucleus, Cortland Sutton, uh, Philip Lindsay being one of them. Uh, you've got Drew Locke, Draymond Jones, Bradley Chubb, uh, Noah Fant has really started to come on, Dalton Reisner at the guard. So uh, uh, Broncos looking up. Uh, pretty good uh, for the future, providing they can uh, tack on to this young core and start fixing th some things, get Bryce Callahan back, uh, Jawan James back, uh, Chris Harris may leave, Derek Wolf may leave, Shelby Harris may leave, Adam Gotsis, Nine News was the first to report that Gotsis out for the season uh, with knee surgery, and uh, so they'll have to replace him. A lot of holes in that defensive line for the Broncos uh, in 2020. Uh, so I think it'll take more than one year for the Broncos to uh, be a playoff team, to be honest. I, I think eight and eight's a realistic goal with Drew Locke and company next year. And then maybe the playoffs in 2021, Super Bowl contention in 2022. That's how I would blueprint the Broncos going forward. We'll see how that goes. Up ahead, the Detroit Lions, uh, to me, uh, the, the, it's, what's interesting about this is the Lions and the Broncos were engaged in uh, Chris Harris talks uh, during the trade deadline. Uh, I believe uh, Darius Slay might have been involved in some way in those talks. I'm not sure how far they went. Um, it, I don't think the Broncos were very close to making a deal, but there was talks in, uh, regarding Chris Harris. Um, also, uh, David uh, uh, Blau, uh, David Blau, third string quarterback. Uh, like Drew Locke, he's a rookie. 
like Drew Locke, he's had three NFL starts and will make his fourth one here on Sunday at Empower Field. The difference is Blau uh, coming from Purdue was undrafted and Locke uh, coming from Missouri uh, was a second round pick, a high second round pick. Here's something that's interesting. They met last year in Purdue in September. Final score, Missouri 40, Purdue 37. In that game, uh, Drew Locke threw for 375 yards and three touchdowns, and he was on the winning side, 40-37. to 37. Blau, uh, for Purdue, threw for 572 yards and three touchdowns. So they combined for almost 950 yards passing and six touchdowns in that game. Again, Missouri edges Purdue 40-37. to 37. I think this is a tough game for the Broncos, and, and here's why. Basically, I'm saying the Broncos... Remember the Indianapolis Colt game? I didn't think the Colts, because of who they just played, uh, uh, you know, Kansas City and Tennessee, that they'd be up for the Broncos. And uh, there was a Minnesota Vikings, same thing. They played Kansas City and uh, I think Green Bay in back-to-back weeks on the road. They came home and weren't ready for the Broncos. Uh, I think the Broncos are going to have a tough time against the Lions. And that's because they just played four out of five games on the road. Two in a row come these last two weeks at Houston, which was a huge win for them. And then, uh, then Kansas City, which a game they wanted, they just didn't have the manpower to keep up in the snow. So coming off that, I think there's going to be a natural letdown regardless of their opponent. I think the fact that the Broncos are six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I mean, I know the Lions are bad. But who are the Broncos to be six-and-a-half-point six favorites against anybody? And so I just, I just kind of – my gut tells me the Broncos uh, may not bring their best game uh, here against Detroit. I still think they can win, obviously. Um, hopefully they use Drew Locke uh, and throw the ball around. It's supposed to be 62 degrees at uh, kickoff, according to our Nine News uh, weather team. And, of course, that's about as accurate as you get right there. 62 degrees at, uh, at kickoff, so ideal conditions for Drew Locke to throw it around. Then the other uh, intriguing matchup to me is the kickers. Uh, Matt Prater. We used to love Matt Prater around here. Kicked that 64-yard field goal in 2013. Ran into some off-field problems in 2000, uh, leading into 14. Got suspended. Um, when he came back, the Broncos released him, and Brandon McManus became the Broncos kicker in 14. So uh, it'll be uh, Prater against McManus in this game. Uh, Prater uh, did uh, find redemption in Detroit. He's been an excellent kicker for him the last five years. And uh, McManus, I tell you what, ever since he uh, blew up at Vic Fangio for not allowing him a chance at that 65-yarder uh, before halftime, uh, a few weeks ago, he's been nails, uh, making f field goals of 52 and 53 yards. So uh, that's an intriguing uh, matchup. We talked to Brandon McManus here for our podcast. I uh, hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, Brandon, uh, uh, always uh, an intelligent and um, interesting guy. And uh, I think you'll en uh, enjoy the chat that we had with Brandon McManus. Let's go to that right now. And then we'll talk uh, after this interview with Brandon McManus. We'll talk uh, more about the Broncos and Lions on the other side. Thank you.
Brandon, welcome. Thank you, Mike. I just looked it up. Uh, you are having tied for your best season, 2015. Did you know that? As far as percentage of uh, field, field goals. Field goal percentage, yes, yeah. yeah. What do you think? Tell us about your year. Uh, you know, it's, it's been good. Uh, there's definitely a couple shorter kicks that uh, I didn't miss last year that I would like back this year. Uh, the 45-yarder, KC, the 43 of Minnesota, which kind of had uh, you know, a possible real impact on the game with, with the game-winning drive that we got stopped short at the two-yard line. And then uh, my Green Bay missed extra point, which I still can't believe missed. It was uh, one of my best kicks, and you know, sometimes you get unlucky like that. Yeah, but there's been kicks, it seems to me, there's been kicks missed all year but around the NFL, especially the extra points. You know, Tucker, he gets all the uh, accolades. He's missed some. He missed an extra point the other day. Yep. Anything you can uh, attribute that to or just the the pressure and social media that's out there right now, Venetary? I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been like 17 years. It's the worst kicking season in 17 years or something like Is that. Is that right? And, I yeah, missed yeah. that. And mm. uh, I think since 2007, I'm sorry, so 12 yeah. years. So yeah. 12 years, uh, the worst kicking percentages. And I don't know if it's, uh, you know, when I came to the league, it was tough to get in. And, uh, you know, like we were just talking about me coming in on a trade and, you know, it might have been a short-term fix or, or a possible long-term. But there's a lot of younger guys nowadays compared to there used to be. So I don't know if it's, like you said, the, the social impact on the younger guys trying to build, the, you know, the mental callus of a missed kick and how to bounce back after that. Yeah. But uh, there has been a ton and ton of missed kicks this year. I want to go back to uh, what I thought was a... Uh, 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 not a turning point. I don't know how to do it, but that the game where you got upset yeah. with Fangio for not letting you kick the 65. Was it was it going to be 65? 65 okay, yeah. I thought it might have been 66. But you got mad, mm -hmm. super mad. All right, and then you just nail the 52 and the 53. And I'm wondering if there's something about anger that sharpens the focus of a guy. And this is the story I'm going to tell you. Intramural basketball, Murray State. <laughs> All right? I get mad at the referee in the first half. Okay. I blow up at the guy. I get a technical. Almost two. Halftime comes. I follow the ref out to the drinking fountain. I'm still yelling at him. I'm madder than a hornet. The next and the second half, I come out, and I hit about two or three set shots in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you got mad... That's what I thought about. I thought about if is there something you know, and it's you're 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 at the position that's the ultimate between the years yeah. game. Yep. Is there is do you think there's anything to anger that kind of triggered uh, a new type of uh, focus in you? Uh, I would definitely say the anger, and this isn't the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. Actually, in the fourth preseason game, we had a chance to kick a 65-yarder halftime, too. And I was yeah. just as mad. It's just yeah. it wasn't focused on me at that point okay. uh, on the sideline and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it was a 65-yarder that could have been an impossible record. But, you know, I'm still thinking that we need three points always on the board. And uh, I knew a chance that we could do that. Yeah. But I would say uh, anger does have a focus because, one, I, I knew the camera was going to be on me, so I knew I couldn't miss my next kicks either. Yeah. So yeah. It, it has a lot to do with anger and focus, yeah. but also a lot to do with, well, Put a spotlight I don't want to make a fool of yeah. myself yeah. after doing that. So, yeah. um, so I, I definitely would say there definitely is a correlation between anger uh, and, and success, not just in focus as well. You know, we talked about percentage-wise, 857, the same as 2015.
But 15, where, where you really made your mark was in the postseason. Yeah. And you're not getting a chance uh, to do that again. Uh, even Barack Obama gave, you a, gave you a shout out. How about that? Yeah. Um, uh, in the Rose Garden it was. Um, what, what do you think? I mean, I know you're a kicker and you're not involved. You're not offense, defense. But you've been around this team uh, almost as long as uh, anybody. Your seniority has to be right behind Vaughn, Wolf, Harris. That's about it. Yep. What, what do you... Uh, what do you think? What's happened to the team the last three years? Uh, if I had that answer, yeah. I guess you know we'd all be rich. But uh, yeah. no, it, it's definitely been difficult. I think for us, us uh, older guys, you, you mentioned us coming off the Super Bowl year, and, and mm -hmm. all we've known was winning uh, and always being at the top of the division, never losing any division games. Really, we won. I think the Rocks won seven or six straight AFC West championships. Yeah, and uh, five. It was five. five. It was five. Yeah. But. You know, so that part's been difficult and, and trying to, you know, not lean on that back then because, you know, it, it's long and gone and we have to figure out a new way to, to win. And every single day you play in this league, uh, the Baltimore Ravens are finding new ways to win compared to in the previous. So uh, I think right now, you know, this is probably the closest the team has been since that uh, 2015 year. That was a really tight-knit team, a lot of hanging out between all the players. And I think this team is starting to get that. and. Uh, you know, build the you know from the young core, uh, the best players that we have, and you know which is key in knowing how to build the future. So, um, you know, I think everything's aligning properly here, and uh, we just have to make it all mesh, which is always the di most difficult part. It does seem different this year, even though you're coming off that tough loss to Kansas City, but it it does seem like, unlike the past two years, you're trending up. Yeah, you I know. With the young, and it's kind of exciting with the young guys. A lot of your star players, your best yeah. players now, are first and second year players. Right. So, do you feel that hope for the future? Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, the hope is there, but we have to be able to mesh and put it together. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what we, the product we put on the field has to be a winning product, and uh, that's always the key in the NFL. And um, like you said, the past couple of years, you know, we'd have some highs where we went on. We started the year 2-0 a couple of times and, you know, really fizzled out in the middle part of the season. So um, learning how to win and, and winning many different ways, whether it's an offense and special teams game where the defense is down, defense, special teams, offense, defense, special teams bad. So you have to figure out ways to, to win games, and uh, there are going to be all types of different ways. Do you, uh, you get reunited here with Matt Prater, yep. who uh, you were with the week. Mm -hmm. And going back, uh, they traded with the New York Giants. Uh, the Broncos gave up a seventh-round draft pick on condition you would stay with the team. Past week four. Past week four, he was suspended nope. uh, for the first four games. What was your mindset when you got traded here, knowing it could be a four-game four rental? Uh, I was finally happy with the opportunity, like I was kind of yeah. saying before, about, you know, there's not there, at the time there were not a lot of young kickers and it was really tough to get your foot in the door compared to now where there's a lot more younger guys. And uh, the previous year I was with the Indianapolis Colts. You know I didn't miss a field goal and I led the uh, kickoffs, the, the NFL kickoffs in the preseason. In the preseason. Yeah. Same year at the Giants, I didn't miss a field goal and I led the NFL in, in kickoff. Uh, you know, stats. So I was really hoping, I couldn't understand why I wasn't getting an opportunity, but like I said it was difficult to get your foot in the door. So uh, I was finally happy to at least get four games out there and, and mm -hmm. potentially, uh, you know, showcase what I can do. And 
you know, I was able to perform pretty well. They were, I can say it now, six years, seven years later, they were pretty easy kicks I had the first four weeks. But, um, you know, I was happy that I was able to stick around here and, uh, you know, continue to, uh, you know, perform here in Denver. Were you surprised after four games when they uh, let let Matt go and? No, I you? mean I, I was always hoping it, yeah. it would be me. So I don't know if yeah. I'd be surprised. Um, you know, I'm still friends with Matt to this day, and you know, we yeah. have a lot of mutual friends with uh, Britton Colquitt and Aaron Brewer, who were uh, the punter and snapper here at the time. Right. So, uh, you know, we still talk. On, we're on a group chat. You know, once a week we probably you know a blurb with each other. Did you ever feel? Uh, you know, pressure. Uh, Matt was Great, coming yeah. off some very good oh, years. Yeah. Thirteen was an outstanding year. He he kicked the sixty-four yarder. Did you did you feel a little of that, you know, replacing Matt Prater type of pressure? No, I don't think so. I, I think uh, there's so much pressure on the kicking position itself. When you start yeah. letting outside noise get into you, that's really when you kind of uh, overwhelm yourself and get to a boiling point. Um, I knew how good Matt was, and, and especially you know hitting long kicks, fifty yarders, and um, especially the Tim Tebow year with all the game winners that yeah. came down to him. Uh, so uh, you know it was definitely something that I knew uh, what to expect when the, you know when I was on the field. So um, you know I wanted to perform in the same sense. And, and you followed him. Now he doesn't kick off anymore, but he uh, he's still nailing them. Yep, still nailing. Yeah, um, one of the better ones, would you say? Yeah, I. I definitely still think Matt, especially beyond 50, he's, he's yeah. probably the best of all time, I think, beyond 50. Yeah. And is that – I remember one time uh, uh, you, won the, you won the Chargers game, right? First game with the kick, the walk uh, – or no. In L.A.? No, 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 in L.A. That was the year before. Okay, but I came uh, – you kicked a couple field goals, and I talked to you, and you say – the first thing you told me was I still haven't made a 50-yard kick. That was the game winner in L.A. It was. Okay, yeah, it right. was. All right. Yep, so I hadn't made one. Yeah. yeah. I missed, I think, six in a row or something. And you said – and you did say I had not uh, made a 50-yard kick in over a year, I guess, or yep. something like that. Yep. I mean, to you, that's the uh, badge of honor as a kicker, those 50-plus? No, I, I think yeah. overall percentage and just I think the success rate that you have is just in, in general is all your field goals. Um, it just is, was frustrating for me being a strong leg guy who, yeah. um, you know, I want to be out there for the long yard kicks and, uh, you know, they're going to give it to me. So yeah. it, it was frustrating for me not to make them. Uh, so, you know, I, I think three in a row now. So, yeah. Uh, since then. Yeah. Uh, since you got mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful. For all you youngsters out there, don't try this at home, right? <laughs> So, anyway, Brandon, thanks. Thanks, appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right. And uh, we are back. I hope you enjoyed that conversation we had with Brandon McManus, one of the more interesting, intelligent guys uh, on the Broncos. Uh, he was big in, in 2015. In fact, uh, he got a nice shout-out from, uh, as you heard there in our interview, from Barack Obama in the Rose Garden uh, following the Super Bowl. That would have been June of 2016 as uh, Barack Obama was wrapping up his uh, presidential term. Uh, the Broncos coming off that Super Bowl 50 win with uh, Vaughn Miller uh, going crazy and winning that game almost single-handedly. It was really Vaughn Miller and then Brandon McManus's three field goals and extra point. Uh, was pretty much the Broncos' offense scoring-wise. So, uh, and, and McManus, I know he's missed some kicks that were frustrating to the coaching staff and to, to the fans, 
this year. But he's got an 857 field goal percentage, which ties his best uh, since uh, uh, 2015, in fact. Now, in the postseason of 2015, he was 10 out of 10 in, uh, in field goals, uh, including three in the Super Bowl. So um, he just doesn't get that postseason tack on this year uh, and has not had a postseason tack on uh, the last four years. And uh, you heard Brandon McManus's thoughts on that. So now we got the Broncos and the Lions, meaningless games. The Broncos will not have Kareem Jackson in this game. He's suspended. He went out to dinner on September 16th, had a couple drinks, uh, got busted for, got pulled over for speeding, a 61 and a 30. Um, the officer asked him if he had been drinking, and he said he had a couple uh, drinks at dinner, and the breathalyzer uh, uh, was, uh, showed him a little bit over the limit, so he suspended two-game suspension, and um, they will not have Kareem Jackson. Better for the Broncos competitively, and I hate to in any way diminish the seriousness of a DUI, but as far as trying to uh, uh, put this in the segment, this in a box of uh, for the Broncos on the field, it's better that he serves the two games now uh, rather than the first two games of next year. Fresh start, zero and zero. Those first two games will be important, um, and it also saves uh, by serving now rather than next year. It also saves uh, Kareem about nine hundred fifty thousand dollars in salary, as it's two seventeenths of three million this year, and next year it would have been two seventeenths of eleven million. So uh, a big difference there um, as far as how much Kareem Jackson will save. So um, no Kareem Jackson, and that's going to hurt the Broncos. That's another reason why I think the Broncos are going to have a tough time against the lowly Lions, a tougher time than, than people may realize. Kareem is strong, I mean strong, in the run game. And uh, he's also uh, a very good uh, coverage guy as long as he gets his right assignment. Uh, Fangio has talked about how he's still learning uh, as far as awareness from the safety position, ball awareness and space. It's, uh, you know, at the corner position, you're following a guy at safety or in space, and you've got to kind of read the whole field. And that is a more difficult transition than people realize. Kareem's done it better than others. A second alternate for the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl selections for the Broncos, uh, disappointing but not surprising, really, uh, to me, in that Cortland Sutton, I could see it coming as good a year as he had. Uh, the four that made it ahead of him, uh, Jarvis Landry has more catches, more yards. Keenan Allen, more catches, more yards. I think he's better in those two. When you factor in the fact Cortland had three different quarterbacks this year and uh, Landry had Baker Mayfield and only Baker Mayfield. Allen had Phillip Rivers. Uh, I think Sutton's better in those two, but the stats don't say so. Sutton has better stats than Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill has to be the first receiver on the AFC team. That's going to be the receiver if they cared about such things that the NFC All-Stars would care about is uh, trying to guard Tyreek Hill. So uh, very difficult task there. And, of course, DeAndre uh, Hopkins is uh, uh, probably, with Julio Jones being hurt, probably the best receiver in the NFL right now overall. It's Hopkins, it's Tyreek Hill, it's uh, Julio Jones. Those are the top three. Um, so I, Sutton is a second alternate. We'll see if he 
uh, inches up toward playing in the game if the, the postseason responsibilities or injuries come into, into, into play there. And then Justin Simmons just uh, didn't get any love. Only three, all only three safeties made that. Earl Thomas with Baltimore, you knew he was going to make it on name. And uh, the Ravens are having a heck of a year. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick with the Steelers traded at midseason uh, to the Steelers from Miami, having a heck of a year. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I understand. And, and even Justin Simmons has had a better overall year than Kareem Jackson. But just name recognition hurt Justin Simmons there. Congratulations to Vaughn Miller making it for the eighth time. Yes, uh, it was a popularity pick. It was a reputation pick. It was not necessarily one on merit, although I think the scouts and opposing coaches would tell you Vaughn Miller is on merit. He doesn't have the sacks because opposing defenses are game planning to stop him. He is the guy that they concentrate on week in and week, in, a week out for the Broncos. So eight times out of nine for Vaughn Miller, uh, even though it hasn't been his best year. So against the Lions, we'll see if the Broncos, uh, it, it's, it's a big game for Drew Locke, obviously. He's got to get uh, a, a greater body of work before everyone uh, really gets a full evaluation on him. He's got three games. Everybody likes him so far, even though he looked more like a rookie in the snow at Kansas City. Uh, this will be a good test for him against a team he should beat, against a team he should have success against, see if he can uh, uh, eliminate some of the turnovers that uh, have been leaking from his game the past couple of, uh, the past couple of weeks, especially in that uh, Kansas City game. And, uh, and then the final game against the Raiders where uh, the Raiders are sinking fast. They were 6-4 and four going into the bye week. I don't know what they did at the bye week, but they're 6-8 and eight now. Um, so we'll see how Locke does there. No matter what, uh, John Elway is not taking a quarterback in the first round. He's going to go receiver, or he'll go cornerback, or he'll go offensive line, or he'll go defensive line, but he will not go quarterback. Drew Locke is this team's quarterback uh, going forward in, in 2020. We'll see if Locke can, uh, can kind of reaffirm the confidence the whole Broncos country has in him. Uh, this week against the Detroit Lions. Kickoff at 2.05, 62 degrees at kickoff. Thanks again to Brandon McManus, our guest here on Cliss's Mic Drop. We have one more next week. Can't, can't wait for it. And uh, we hope you tune in uh, next week for our final uh, Cliss's Mic Drop. Um, at least I think it's the final. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll do one more to wrap up the season. We'll see how it goes. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Brandon McManus. Hope you enjoyed his conversation he had with me. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Again, 2.05 this Sunday, Broncos against the Lions.